I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to an all-new Nerd Alert. This week, we are continuing the trend of really getting the money out of our Disney Plus subscription. We're taking a deep dive into uh, the deep dive that is Andor, the latest live-action Disney Plus Star Wars series. But before we get into the ins, outs, ups, and downs, things we liked, loved, hated, whatever, let me introduce the rest of our Motley crew. Starting around the horn, first of all, the man who keeps the nerd in the talk nerdy to me network. Ladies and gentlemen, Commander Scott. So uh, this week, um, uh, this this might be a repeat. I don't know. Because I've, I've, I've heard of this before, and it came across my feed again. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I can't remember if I've talked about it on the show or not. Um, do you all remember me talking about Judith Love Cohen? Not yet. Is, is she the is she the Cohen sister to the Cohen brothers? No, 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 no. The Cohen sister. Well, now specify which brother. Cohen brothers, because you don't want to sign up for a Garfield movie from the wrong set of Cohen brothers. Bill Murray <laughs> tell you all about that. Um, <laughs> no, so J- Judith Love Cohen was an electrical engineer that worked for NASA. Uh, she started, I think, just before the Apollo missions, and she went all the way up through the Hubble uh, and everything. Uh, she was told by one of her counselors uh, at the age of 19, uh, quote, you know, Judy, I think you ought to go to a nice finishing school and learn to be a lady. Um, and she didn't listen to that. She started studying math at Brooklyn College on a scholarship uh, and, and then quickly realized that engineering was her calling and she she switched. Um, now, kind of her claim to fame um, was while working on the Apollo she she was you know newly married. Her her husband was an engineer as well. Uh, I think he worked for NASA as well. But uh, when 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 they were pregnant with with their first child uh, on August twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, she went into labor. And on the way to the hospital, decided to stop by the office to pick up some important documents for a problem she was working on. Okay, right. Later that day, while in the hospital, she called her boss and told him that she had solved the problem. And, oh yes, the baby had been born as well. <laughs> so she goes to the hospital, she, she gets pr- computer printouts of this problem she's working on. 
the problem that she solved was actually the key to making the abort guidance system work. Uh, okay. Uh, on, on the, the Apollo. System. Now, fast forward two years later, um, Apollo 13 is launched on April 11th, 1970. And we all know what happens to Apollo 11, right? Um, uh, of course, when, when the, uh, uh, when all the failures occurred and everything, the abort guidance system became the backup computer navigation system because the command module was shut down. Okay. So the primary guidance system had failed and they used the system that she made work while in the hospital in labor and giving birth, uh, to, 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 to get them home. So literally, you know, they owe their lives to this lady who solved this problem while giving birth. And to put a topper on this, her son was born, and her son is known today as Jack Black. Really? Yep. The apple doth far fall from... <laughs> Well, you know, they say uh, if you have a, a tough problem you're working on, uh, going and doing something menial, like <laughs> pushing the kid out, can really take your mind off things. Yes. Well, it's, yeah. it's the fact Jack that it's Black. Jack Black. Yeah, Jack Black's mother. Jesus. Yep. I'm sure she's proud. Uh, sadly, I think she has passed away. I'm um, sure she was proud. Uh and there was uh, somewhere in the, the, the source material that I have, have here, uh, there was a, a, a quote from, I think, Jack's older brother um, for the obituary uh, that I thought was funny. I'm just trying to, to find it again. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no, that's not it. Uh, all right. Anyway, I can't find it right now. It, it was somewhere buried in this article here that I was looking, looking, pulling data from. But that's all right. So. All right. Well, there you go. Now you all know Jack Black's mom was a NASA genius. Yep. <clears throat> I he can't was. wait till he plays his own mother in her biopic. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jack Finn was her fourth kid. Sorry. Okay. Anyway. Finishing out our terrible trio, ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a large blue police call box it's the doc <clears throat> um did, i'm gonna i'm gonna steal a page from scott's book did you know that they launched the orion capsule which is the capsule that's supposed to re-land men on the moon mm-hmm. in the artemis mission it was artemis one yep and it was designed to test the capsule the orion capsule and what its capabilities and everything did you guys know this i i did actually um, this is not an 80s or 90s catchphrase jay i'm confused just just, just bear with me john did okay. you did you know that though that they that did i know doing? what that, that they launched that they launched this artemis one okay. yes oh and oh, the orion capsule you just told us yes right right but did you know that there's it's actually a crude mission there's a it's a crew. Well, of I don't one know what man. kind of humor it's into, but it, it's a crew of one man. I didn't know if you knew that. Scott, did you know that? Did you know that it was a crew of one man? 
I did not know it was a manned mission. I thought it was out there being controlled remotely. Oh no, it's a crew. It's it's a crew of one man and only one man. One man and one man alone was man enough, brave enough, bold enough, mullet ponytailed enough to uh, take on this mission. You better cut to your punchline. This is a long yeah. walk off a short yeah. pier. Clearly, you're setting something up. It, yeah, it was. It's Latino John Voight in space. Ah. Huh? Do, do we have any audio from Latino yeah. John Voight in space? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They were yeah, live yeah. streaming at one point. So. They, yeah, yeah, they did. It, it was when he was going past the moon. All right. It was when he was going past the moon. Here it is. Ready? The moon. Don't look directly into its eyes. It'll haunt you forever. The moon has eyes? It, according to Latino John Voight. I mean, oh. we, don't, we don't question it. Sure. You don't. Uh-uh. Latino John Voight. Is Latino John Voight in space? No? Yeah. All right. Man, I wish I had my buttons labeled. <laughs> <laughs> Take a stab at it, Scott. Go. <clears throat> Oh shit! I wasn't prepared to actually. Second go. column, third button down. Go. Second column, third button down. Huh? Yeah. Go okay. for it. Uh... Okay, that didn't do anything. Uh, uh, what were we looking for? What were you? Were you looking for crickets? Were you? <laughs> I was looking for crickets, and I know I have crickets somewhere. Oh, all right. Apparently, I tried. I Apparently, I have a very long water sound on this. Okay. Good Lord. How long does this water sound go? I can't hear anything. Can you hear anything, Jay? A little bit. Uh, but I just thought it was Scott pouring himself another drink of bourbon. It's hmm. very it's, it's very low. Oh, wait. There it goes. Good Lord. That was like a 30-second like water thing. I got to change that. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely have to change that, but 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 that's okay. I I can I can I can follow it up with this. Oiling and lotioning, lotioning and oiling. There you go. But, oh yeah, yeah, perfect timing. Latino John Voight was definitely doing a lot of that in space. Okay, so <laughs> now that we've all introduced ourselves, uh, let's get into because there's a lot to dive into. Uh, the Disney Plus show, Summer Hailing, is the best Star Wars Disney has ever done. Uh, even though before it came out, people were like, who cares? This doesn't matter. <laughs> Why are we doing a show? It's about every side character from every random spinoff movie. Uh, Star Wars fans are fun. They're not fickle at all. <clears throat> so we're here to talk about Andor, the story of Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. Uh I think the best way to do this is going to be to do it in sort of chunks because that's kind of how the show was set up. Roughly every three episodes kind of constitutes its own little mini story arc. It all builds towards stuff at the end. So um, first off, spoiler alert, we're not doing any non-spoiler stuff this week. We're just going to dive into it because, again, there's a lot to cover. Uh, So if you haven't seen the show yet, tune out. If you already have seen the show, uh we're gonna do this sort of storyline by storyline so even if you're not done with the show you can stick with us until we tell you okay we're jumping ahead of you now so first three storylines are basically sort of your act one uh what did everyone think of uh our our act one our our setup and our sort of inciting incident thing don't all answer at once well go ahead jay 
Oh, all right. Um, I so what I really enjoyed about it was like the character introduction of like this is Cassian. Like you know Cassian from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is prior to that. And like when I started watching it, I was like, oh, is he in the rebellion? But then you find out no, he's not in the rebellion yet. Um but what I really liked was how they just sort of portrayed him as this guy who's like, seems like he's always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, he's trying to live his own life and and do things the way he wants to do them. Um, I really liked how they built the characters around him and showed this sort of, um, I guess, trust with him, whether it's like warranted trust or not yet. Uh, and I, what I really, really liked is also what I liked about Rogue One. It's not bright, cheery, like, oh, Star Wars stuff. It's like, it's dark. It's gritty. It's like a lived in world. It's, you can see it. Like you, you make sense. Like it just makes sense. The world they live in. Um, doesn't that describe most of the Star Wars properties? Which which part? The 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 lived in, the not cheerful and happy. Like the original. I, I was I was like gonna that. be nice, but if you want to get sick of Scott, that's fine. I mean, the, 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 I mean, I like it. No, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I like that too. That that's that's what I like. It's also what I like about the the, the prequel is that it is a change of pace from mm-hmm. the majority. But yeah, like if you take Star Trek or you know some other you know things it was always very clean and crisp and futuristic but star wars has always felt lived in it, it's always had that that dirty gritty kind of kind of feel to it but yeah yes mm-hmm. I, I agree they all have that sort of feel to them but i this one seemed grittier to me i don't know why it just did like it seemed it definitely leans more into the aesthetics of the original trilogy um again like the, you know the prequels we're we're going for a little more polished because it was you know supposed to be a, an age of you know more enlightenment and, and whatnot and all that. Uh, whereas OG trilogy Star Wars was very like dirty, lived in. You know these are all used spaceships; they're not shiny, you know, shiny and new. Uh, and and or very much leans into that. And <clears throat> uh, and overall, and I, I don't mean to get into like overall feelings, but um, the entire show really focuses not so much on just showing things like you know for real and gritty but even when we get to planets where they could kind of be indulgent and be like oh look it's all crisp and shiny like we do go to course on a certain point other than one character who's always in imperial offices uh we see like the common man's view of these planets like when we get to coruscant it's it's not all shiny like it is in the prequels we see like sort of dingy corridors and you know you if you don't live at the top of every tower you don't get much of a view and um you know you're kind of cramped living spaces like so even when we get to some of those planets where they could kind of be a little more indulgent they try to do it from like okay well here's a perspective of like the middle class living on coruscant um which of that was cool to see uh, but definitely in the, those first few episodes when we, when we get to ferrix is is the planet most of that is set on um <clears throat> It's very much a Tatooine-esque community. It's not a desert. We're not on Tatooine. Um, but it is that sort of like the city looks like it just kind of sprawled out 
you know, it wasn't like planned or anything. It just kind of like sprawled out and, and the, the huts and homes and whatnot are kind of close together. And it has that very, you know, real lived in kind of feel to it. Uh, yeah. It's very blue collar. Yeah. There you go. Uh, hey, I, yeah. I didn't see Jeff Foxworthy or Larry the Cable Guy. Or, you got to watch it again, man. I, the I whole crew any, makes a cameo. I didn't see them anywhere in, 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 in one of the episodes I've watched thus far. They, they all voice droids, so just keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill Engvall is actually part of the ISB. You, you, you catch <laughs> him, you just miss him. Like, it's just a glance and you missed it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the first three episodes like i said it's it's sort of an act one it's okay here's at this point in his life here's what cassian's up to and like jay said he's he's not we don't start out with him already being a a spy and a captain in the rebel alliance in fact the rebel alliance isn't even a thing yet um at this point in the story it's still a bunch of sort of uh loosely at best connected pockets of resistance and and um we were inter- eventually introduced to to another character who is sort of weaving those together. But for Cassian, he's just trying to make a living. Uh, if there's any kind of higher like quest or something for him, it's he's looking for his sister who he left behind as a child. <clears throat> but a- a- apart from this episode, that doesn't come back into play at all. Um, yeah. <clears throat> because at the at the not even the end at the maybe what 10 minute mark of episode one is the inciting incident, which is he's jumped by a couple security guards on this planet and he takes them both out. <clears throat> well, and, and, and see, this, this is the thing that kind of got me with the whole okay. introduction to Cassian Andor. Mm-hmm. It's the same introduction we get in Rogue One. It's the exact same introduction we get to him. Uh, I'm going to fight you back on that. I, I rewatched Rogue One. I'm going to I'm going to push back no, on that a little no, bit. It is. It is because okay. because he's he's, you know, in kind of a back alley area, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then things are going on and he literally has to choose between killing somebody because it's easier than, you know, any any. It's the easiest way to get out of the situation he's in because because he accidentally kills one of the corporals. You know, and the other corporal's like, oh, no, it was an accident. We were just blah, 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 blah. But it's literally easier for him to kill the other corporal and leave because he knows there's no real trace to him personally that he knows of. You know, it's it's, it's the easier way. Like, we, we see a Cassian Andor that's the exact same Cassian Andor in Rogue One. Like, he's just he just he makes a, a, a calculated decision. And I'm not, I'm not, I like that character, but at the same time, visually and storytelling wise it's the same intro it's not the same intro what we see him doing in this episode is he's in a he's backed into a corner and we see when he's backed into a corner he'll flash his teeth and that's what happens in rogue one yes he's in a back alley and things get bad but what he does in rogue one he kills his own informant it's to show that even though he's a good guy and working for the rebels He's willing to do bad things in the name of serving the the Rebel yeah. Alliance. That's his arc in Rogue One is yeah. I've done terrible things in service of a greater thing. That's not at all what this is here to set up in, in this one. But he's still backed into a corner. He can't but, escape with the guy and he can't let the guy live because the guy knows who he is. He's still backed into a corner and that's the well, easiest way out. In, in, in Andor, I don't think he was backed into a corner. He was trying to leave. Like he was asking to leave, he wanted to leave, and the two security agents stopped yeah. him from doing that. Yeah. And no, did he? 
he didn't mean to kill the guy. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. And because he accidentally killed the first guy, his yeah. only course of action was to kill the second guy. You realize that by saying his only course of action is the exact same thing as saying he was backed into a corner, right? Well, but he, okay. You know, once okay. you have an only course of action, you're backed into a corner. Because he's like, he knew what would happen if he let him yeah. live. He I, said, yeah. even though the guard, like yeah. even though the security guy said, yeah. oh, it was an accident, blah, 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 blah. He yeah, knows. He, he knew. He, he knew the only the other only other course was to kill him. He was begging for his life at that point. In both situations, he is backed into a corner. He has the the easiest alternative is to kill the person with him in cold blood. But he's showing that, that he's a killer. That he's willing to do bad things for whatever he perceives is the greater good. And in 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 Andor, the perceived greater good is the quest for his sister because he knows if he if, if if he gets you know arrested or whatever detained he'll never find his sister um now that's the entire point of his i guess you can call it an arc in this series that they set up is that he goes from he goes from from that to from caring about himself and his sister to caring about the rebellion like like that's that's what we're going for but it's I'm sorry. From a story storytelling aspect, it, it, it's the it's the same intro. Then he's. I mean, but at least it's consistent. Then, if that's. I mean, like, if that's what you're going to okay. stick with, at least it's consistent. Okay. Because the the consistency would be, if he's backed into a corner, he's going to do what he needs to do to get out of the situation, which is yeah. actually replayed several times throughout the series. Yeah, because that's the character of Cassian Andor, exactly. So at least it's consistent. It is. It is. We 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 should always. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, as as long as we keep getting everything we've gotten before, good. He's still growing as a character. Okay. Okay. We're gonna move on because there's a lot more to cover. Um, <clears throat> but needless to say, that inciting incident of, of of killing two corpos on the planet is what sends him on. The, the rest of this arc is him trying to set up an alibi, evade getting caught, and get the hell off Ferrix. Which takes us to his supporting cast, um, whose names I did not write down, sorry. Uh, we meet his mother, we meet his ex-girlfriend, we meet his best buddy, um, we meet some people in, in Ferrix that he's friends with. Uh, we see that one guy who owns a, I think it's a scrap shop, yeah, um, yeah. Also has a um, radio hidden in the tower, and is his best buddy Binks, who also runs a scrap shop. Um, well, the whole planet is scrap. Apparently, well, like, yeah. Ferrix, like Ferrix's big thing is that it is a scrap planet. Yeah, but but also here's the thing: you you introduce this whole cast of characters that you know, like after episode two. You don't see him again till like episode seven or eight. No, they come back in before then. <clears throat> they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're around. I didn't see them. We cut back to. Um, I forget exactly which episode. Yeah, we. <clears throat> I'll give you this, Scott. I, it is one thing I do have. <clears throat> it's kind of a knock against the the series when watching it the first time. You don't cut back to him very often, but we do cut back to him occasionally. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it does kind of diminish um, on my first viewing of the show because I they dropped all three episodes day one and I watched all three in one sitting. After that, it was one episode a week. 
Yeah. So by the time we actually finished it, it had been a month and a half since we really spent a good chunk of time with some of those characters. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything because Scott hasn't quite finished it yet. But there are some yeah. minor characters, some like tertiary well, characters that I forgot even existed until they yeah. pop up in the final episode. I'm like, wait, who's that? Did we meet them yeah. before? So on well, rewatch, I was like, oh, I get who that is now. Okay. Yeah. Well, so first of all, I'm not gonna lie. I, I am gonna have some negative things to say about this show. That's fine. But it's not. It's not all negative. Like there, there are aspects of the show that I do like. But this first story arc, this first three episodes, that kind of like is an act one and everything, mm-hmm. I didn't really care for a lot. Now, like I said, he so he's so they're setting up. I I do have some some nitpicks with this show, um, but they're setting up the. He's looking for his sister. Going into it, once again, not to rehash it, but he is pretty much the Cassie and Andor we know. It's just what he cares about is different. Um, but one thing I really disliked uh, was the whole flashbacks to when he's a kid. Like, every time they flashed back, I'm like, I don't I don't care. I don't give a shit. Just, just, just give me Cassie and Andor now. Like, literally, there's a scene where the, the kids, when they, 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 they flash back, we get like a minute and a half of the kids just watching a ship crash. That's all they do. They just watch a ship crash. I don't, I don't think we need to spend that much time on that. Just, it just killed me. And, and they're all speaking a language that, that, that there's, there's no... And this is something with Star Wars. This is something with Star Wars that I've always liked. Is they have droids and they have aliens that don't speak basic. Mm-hmm. Right, always. It's always been, mm-hmm. and I love that. Uh, but like, Trek and stuff gets around it with Universal translators. That's cool. Other other sci-fi shows get around it with some something that makes them here. But in Star Wars, we've got multiple people and and races and stuff. But there's always, always a basic speaking character that they're talking to or is around that can basically restate what they said as part of their response, which gives us a contextual clue as to what's going on with the mm-hmm. kids. Nope. It's just all weird language that uh, I, I, my, you, can, you can try to figure out what they're doing, but um, my I, first watch through, I literally thought my subtitles weren't working because I was yeah. like, surely we're not having this much screen time where I'm not supposed to understand anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got, I'm not gonna lie. I briefly got Star Wars Holiday Special uh, PTSD. Um, <laughs> but again, on a second watch through, when I knew those sections were coming, the important information is there visually. Um, I'll say in general, um, this whole first three episode arc could have been condensed. Yes. Um, and I think, look, Tony Gilroy did a great job with the series as a whole. Um but I feel like this was 12 episodes and we probably could have done it in like nine um, because yes, it's cool to let scenes play out and give things time. Um, and Hey, more star Wars is always great. But uh, like I said, when I watched the first three episodes and people were asking about it, I was like, don't watch just one episode, watch the first three altogether. Cause they're really one really, really long episode. Cause uh, like my buddy Travis was doing like one episode because uh, his his wife doesn't uh, goes to bed early, and they have to watch it together for some reason because they're one of those couples. Uh, he was like, "Man, Andor is really boring." I'm like, "Did you watch all three episodes?" Because no, I just watched the first one. I was like, "Yeah, don't do that." Because uh, if you just watch the first episode, you don't get a whole lot, and if you just watch the second episode by itself, you really don't get a whole lot because it's like the middle of Act One. 
um, they're definitely meant to be watched together. Um, so I think we could condense that and move things along a bit faster because it does definitely get a much better after the first three episodes. Uh, but I do want to get to one really important character uh, that we finally meet in. I think it's the third episode we finally see him, <clears throat> which is um, Binks, uh, Cassian's ex-girlfriend buddy with benefits. I don't know what she is, um, who has in the past sold certain pieces of tech to this guy that she doesn't really know his real name. She just knows he's got deep pockets and he's willing to buy like stolen Imperial stuff. Um, and Cassian has some stolen Imperial merch. She's trying to sell really quick to get some coin to get the hell off uh, Ferrix. And that guy ends up being uh, Luthien. Uh, I forgot his Luthien Rail. I think the last name is um, if that's his real name. Her contact to, with Deep Pockets, who also happens to be the guy kind of pulling the strings behind the whole Rebel network, uh, yeah. played amazingly by Stellan Skarsgård. Um, he's my favorite character. What did you guys think? He pissed me off. Oh, okay. Just in this first episode? No. Well, oh, okay. Stellan is it because he kept saying Ander in the first episode? No. Ander. Sorry. Yeah, okay. What about you? Well, I'm I'm interested why he pissed you off. Okay. Well, uh, uh, let let me rephrase because that's a bit of a misnomer. He didn't piss me off. I mean, Stellan Skarsgård is awesome, you know, and I love his portrayal and everything. But when he first appears, because they kind of give a build up, right? Mm-hmm. So he walks off of his his ship, and he's walking mm-hmm. with what's her name, and they're going to, you know, basically he wants to to meet Andor, or I'm sorry, Ander. And thank uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm like, oh, who is Because they haven't revealed who he is yet. Oh, who is he? Okay. Is he? Okay. okay. And I'm looking at how he's dressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, and he's carrying this. I don't know what it is. Well, I know what it is. It's His walking stick? It's basically a lightsaber without being a lightsaber. His walking stick? Yeah, because it has a lightsaber looking hilt to it, and he presses a button and it retracts. It's just not a lightsaber. It's his Galaxy's Edge walking stick. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and everything and, and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, yes. Thank God. They're giving us more of this character. It's Lor Santeca. And then I find out, no, it's not Lor Santeca. Uh, Why is this character not Lor Santeca? Well, hold on. Pin in that. Okay. Maybe it is. Legit. Legit. And and But again, without getting too far into everything, even though we see him a lot throughout the rest of the series, I still feel like we have barely scratched the surface of who Luthien is. If Luthien's even his real name, where well, he comes from, what his motivations are, we get very bl- uh, uh, um, um, vague uh, uh, details through some yeah. of his speeches later on. And I do have a theory, but uh, there's nothing that says in season two they might not drop that his real name is Laura Santeca. And that's true. That's true. Other than the fact, and, and if they do, great, because this is a character that you've given us in Rise of Skywalker, you've given us his family's backstory in the High Republic novels, you've got this character sitting there that is rife for fill-out. You know, mm-hmm. give it to us. Um, because we don't get his name until he gets back to Coruscant. Right? No one refers to him by name until we get Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone on Ferrix knows his name. No, he's just called <clears throat> yeah. the Bayer. That, that's yep. just what he's known as. And that's cool. Which means that his name on, on Coruscant could be an alias. I, I can give you that. I, I can totally give you that, and I didn't think about that. So 
until they they actually you know state yes or no in my head canon he's Laura Santeca and now I like him a little bit more. Okay, <laughs> uh, glad I can help you with that. Yeah, what's up, I, Jay? It, he did not piss me off because I have no idea who that person is that you're referring to. So there's no reason for me to be pissed off about it. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and, and that's fair. And it's a disjust. So, so Laura Santeca in, in the force awakens is Max von Sydow at the beginning. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's called Laura Santeca. He is never named on screen. Okay. Unless you've read like the, uh, the aftermath books and some of the high Republic books, you have no idea who that character is. Right. It, yeah. That doesn't bother me. And, yeah. Uh, and and like it doesn't bother me that I don't know like that it, this isn't him, mm-hmm. uh, because what I like is that there's a guy. The whole idea of him and I'm jumping ahead into other things, but the fact that he is centralized on Coruscant, can have connections with senators, um, is going around like gallivanting around the galaxy, uh, setting up these rebel blocks, like helping these rebel cells. Um, connections with these rebel leaders and all under the guise of like, I'm going to collect things that I sell in my store. Um, I, I just kind of like that because I like the espionage. Like, yeah, it's a great background. It's not like, cause, and again, I don't want to generalize, but what I really like is the fact that we are looking at like the darker side of the rebellion. Like, yeah. like, like, because we've got Star Wars Rebels, which is great at setting up the rebellion, yeah. but it's it's a lighthearted it's a kid show. Yeah. Kid it's, show. It, it's it's a kid show. Yeah, this, this right? one gets and a little more dark. Yeah, this is like this is like we're gonna do shit for real. Um, it's like taking the beginnings of Rogue One, like all the things that you see at the start of Rogue One, with like, uh, uh oh, oh, god, oh, uh. Mm-hmm. uh yeah, that part. What's his name? Uh, well, that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Help me out. The dark. The, I don't know. Oh God, I know his name. Give me more than grunts. Ah, uh, mm, uh, that. Uh, uh, Forest Whitaker. There you go. Oh, uh, Saw Gerrera. Saw Gerrera. There you go. Okay, sorry, I had a brain fart. Saw Gerrera. I like that he came back in this. I know. Again, I'm jumping, but. <coughs> It's nice to see these like this dark side of the rebellion, which is what a lot of Rogue One was. And I liked Rogue One for that because okay. we're we're not centered around the quote unquote heroes of the rebellion. We're focused on the actual heroes of the rebellion. The right. It helps sort of recontextualize them. who the heroes really are. Right. Um, so- so yeah, he Luthien comes in, and in this episode anyway, he, he's very much sort of set up as he's the old hat kind of master spy who's there to kind of uh, maybe bring Cassian in under his wing a bit. You know, in that first episode, he he gives them you know the, the lessons of spycraft. And, you know, number one, um, don't walk out of somewhere. Or, shit, what's the first? I forget what the first one is. But yeah, lesson two is build your exit on the way out. I forget. No, lesson one is don't carry anything you don't control. Because he realizes that the corpos are tracking him through his communicator, um, he just starts throwing out these nuggets. Uh, we don't know how he knows them or or what, but he just starts tossing out nuggets uh, to Cassian, which is cool. And they have a cool high speed chase and in shootouts and explosions, and uh, we fly off on a spaceship. Uh, and from that, we then get to 
uh, our first real three episode arc, which I'm just going to go ahead and call the heist arc. Um, yeah, which was really cool and and kind of gives us that sort of master spy espionage kind of thing without really getting into like spy work because it's it's a heist, it's a job. Um, oh, uh, I just want want to interject yeah. real quick. We did we did gloss over <clears throat> who is my favorite sidekick character so far. Okay, um, and and it's not K two S O, but it it's it's B. I love the little oh. red robot B. We're gonna come back to B. Um, <laughs> I love B. Don't so, you worry. So before we Go get ahead. too far past yeah. this, person, real quick, just a couple of nitpicks that I have. Uh, first time, first of all, the the first time that we see it, it pissed me off. This this upset me um, because I'm weird and I get upset by the weirdest things. Um, uh, the first time that we see um, uh, what the hell's his name again? The the, the it's Laura Santeca guy, um, Luthien. Luthien, Luthien, Luthien. Yeah. Yeah, once well, the first time we see him, he's talking. Well, not seeing, but when he's finally talking to to Cassian, you know, mm-hmm. and he says, "When they hung your father." Mm-hmm. Oh, that pissed that pissed me off. Because obviously, this guy's from Coruscant, you know, and he's got the front, and he's an educated person. Like he's somebody that's yeah, blah 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 blah. blah. It's hanged your father. Oh God! All right. I'm sorry. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's stupid. I didn't, I didn't. And second, and second, you've got so then you this this is something else that pisses me off. Is is you've got the corporate security people are looking for Cassie. Right? Actually, just just the, the the one the one guy, the tenant or whatever he is, you know, Cyril or whatever. Cyril, yeah, he's looking for Cassie, right? And everything, and they're doing their thing, you know, and they keep putting out that they're looking for somebody from what what what's Cassie's actual home world because he's not from this world; he's from another world. Something where he got K, K, yeah, Kandara or whatever, yeah, Karia or something. Let's say Karia. I don't forget what it's called. Um, but yeah, we're looking for a, a Karian and blah, 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 right. You know, and mm-hmm. stuff. And so they put, they put up a, a hollow of Cassie and Andor cause they get a lead and they're like, Oh, this says he's from physics. It can't be him. Blah, 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 blah. And yet all of the, all of his friends, like everybody else is like, Oh, they're looking for a Canarian. Could it be Cassian? I think it's Cassian. Is it Cassian? Apparently the only people that don't know he's from Karia are the security people. <laughs> like everybody well, else on this planet. Oh yeah, they're talking about Cassian. <laughs> well, that's his his close friends know, and even his mom yeah. knows, the droid knows, and Bix knows. Yeah. So uh, every yeah. character except the uh, the everybody else is like, oh yeah, it's him. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, you would tell your close friends where you're from. You wouldn't tell a random guard on a planet you've only been to once where you're from. It just it just makes no sense from a storytelling point. It's like every other character knows where he's from except for these people. And if they had boots on the ground, they would know that, but they don't. Yeah, that's kind of the point: is they sit in their know. ivory tower and look down on people, and they yeah. don't get all the information. Well. Once again, nitpick. I'm not. I'm not okay. trying. Just, I'm just saying. It just it tickled me. Like I'm. I'm All chuckling right. every time. <clears> well, then since. <clears throat> sorry. 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 <coughs> Keep trying to meet my mic. That's not working. <clears throat> if raw nitpicks, my biggest nitpick, maybe with the entire show, comes in this story arc, and this is the nittiest of nitpicks. Okay. I don't know. It might not beat mine, but then, one that- thing I love about Star Wars is blasters. It's and one thing my... I particularly love about blasters in the Star Wars universe is because going back to OG Star Wars and New Hope, uh, whatever you want to call it, because it was cheaper back then to take 
uh, surplus World War II munitions and just throw crap on them and call it a blaster. That's what all the blasters in the original Star Wars universe are. They're real firearms that they threw, you know, machine gun muzzles and a rifle scope and whatever else, you know, junk on it to make them look like blasters. And that's a blaster, which one gives them a sense of realism. They're cool. And two, gives them an exotic kind of quality. It's like, you know, Han Solo, the most famous blaster in Star Wars, the DL-44, is a Mauser C-96 with a, a, I forget what kind of, a machine gun muzzle flash and a rifle scope and some Greeblies thrown on it. Bam, blaster. And it's like the most iconic blaster in, in, in science fiction. I love that aesthetic in Star Wars. I loved that, just like in Rogue One, because uh, Rogue One did the same thing with like Jyn Erso's blasters based on a, uh, a Luger and Cassian's is a, a super cut down uh, M4, I think. They, they, they took well, that idea and they fucked it up. Well, because in can... this episode, hold on, okay. we get AK-47s that are clearly just fucking AK-47s. Oh, yeah. They, 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 they put them they did, made no effort to cover them up at all. Just, oh, there's an AK-47. I guess we have those in space now. Um, yeah, I mean, even, even in Mandalorian, Mando's pistols are based off of, uh, real world pistols, but they have Mm -hmm. other bits put on them. Exactly. Yeah. No, this is just the most, we took the most iconic weapon silhouette in history. And anyone who doesn't know anything about guns can recognize an AK-47 because it's that iconic silhouette. There's billions of them out there in the world. We didn't even attempt to cover them up. It still has the big banana magazine on it and the huge front sight. We didn't make any attempt to cover it up. It's just, it's an AK-47. And that pisses me off every time they come up on screen. Okay, I, pick over. actually, Sorry. Sorry. actually, John, you're wrong. Oh, it's it's not an AK-47. It's a TK-421. No, Jay, that's a stormtrooper on the on the oh. star. Oh, no, sorry. <clears throat> They're holding stormtroopers. Are your comms not working, Jay? TK-421. Something something wrong with your your helmet? Why aren't you at your post? TK TK-421. That was the one. That's that's what they're holding. J.K. Simmons? What? Is it a J.K. Yes. Simmons? Is that what it's called, Jay? Yeah, Scott, they all have stormtroopers that just so go pew, Team J.K. Pew. Simmons? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they slap the stormtrooper on the ass and it goes pew! Gotcha. Uh, no, sorry, that is my biggest nitpick. Uh, it drove me nuts. Uh, every time those came up on screen, I was just taken out of my immersiveness of Star Wars. Like, ah, I hate that! So, yeah. Okay, there's my nitpick. But the heist storyline, I think in general, was a very good storyline. Yeah. Um, it, it, again, it gives us a whole new cast of characters for a few episodes. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, but it's it, it does everything you want from a heist. It's hey, here's a model, not to scale, of of what we're gonna rob. Here's what we're gonna rob, and it gives you you know what's everyone's motivation for being there, and we don't know who we can trust. Uh, and then you know we get enough information about the job to understand where they are geographically but we haven't had the whole plan revealed to us so we could it's still kind of a surprise as the heist unfolds um of course she hits the fan it does a great job of of what i think another theme of this show is that i really enjoy is why the empire is evil uh yeah. and the whole forcibly moving people off their land and subjugating people and just taking whatever they want wherever they are in the galaxy and, you know, they're, again, sitting up in their ivory tower talking about how we're going to forcibly move all these people or just drown them all when we flood this valley because we want to build a, uh, I forget what it is, uh, uh, an airfield or something. A new air base, yeah. There you go. Um, just how they don't give a shit about people and their culture. They just will take what we want and we'll leave them what's left. <coughs> um, 
it does a great job through all of that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I think I think one of my favorite things about this story arc was um, just more of the insight into Cassian, like building him as a character. Talking mm-hmm. about like when they're talking about the the transport and how it's on a rail, mm-hmm. and they're they're like, "Well, where's the switch?" And he's like, "You don't know how to fly it." Okay, I'm flying it. Like, yeah. No, I'm doing it. Because if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die on my own terms. You know what I mean? Like that's mm. he's just sort of taking charge. Uh, and it's when, a great moment too, because leading up to that, they keep giving him shit being the new guy that came in at the last minute and he doesn't know enough and blah blah. And then they they get to this, and literally he has a moment where he's like, "Wait, are you asking me? You don't know, right? Yeah, uh, like, you're or, not just quizzing me to be to be a dick. You don't know where the switch is. You you really don't. You have no fucking clue." Yeah. This is bad. Like, this what were you gonna do bad. if I wasn't here? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and the the scene where he's like, "I should be on this side because I'm right-handed and he's left-handed." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I can't remember the girl, the blonde, but she's like, "Wait, Val. what am I? Right-handed? What is he? Right-handed? Like, and he just knows what people are and can remember." Yeah, he's already story. sized up everybody in the camp. Yeah. 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 And th- that's what I really love is like we're getting to know Cassian and understand more of why he was the way he was in Rogue One, which I really enjoy. We get a really cool heist uh, where everything goes wrong and we get a cool shootout where, again, uh, this show does a great job of, of here's why the Empire is evil, but also, hey, here's why they're scary too. Like blasters in this show are scary again. Uh, You get shot with a blaster and you're not coming back. Yeah, you're going uh, it's it's not like other shows where like you know uh the clip somebody cut to i was watching uh uh, uh people talking about it on youtube um uh, black chrysanthemum in in book of boba fett which i know is not a great example to go to for star wars tv but there's a scene where he's in a standoff and he gets shot like eight times with a blaster and just like all he has is armor on like his shoulders and like part of his chest and that's the only part the blasters hit it all just like deflects off him and this one people get shot like the shoulder the gut, uh, you know, their back, and they just drop dead, just dead. So, uh, and, and and people hit stuff, which is you know new. Well, so first of all, you're not thinking like a, a role playing game. So just oh, because it doesn't matter what the armor covers, it still gives him the armor save. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, my bad. Yeah, it, uh, it, it could just cover like the top of his head, <laughs> like a little, like a little yamaka, like a little armored yamaka, and and he still gets the armor save. All right. Got it. Sorry. Sorry. If he was wearing red Sonia uh, bikini tail mail, he'd chain yeah. mail, he'd still be good. Okay. He'd still get the armor save. Yeah. Okay. He'd still My get bad. the. All right. Um, Call Justin. I have a new idea for him. <laughs> one one thing that, that actually kind of took me out of this that I didn't like. Okay. So I love the whole thing about the heist. The heist was mm-hmm. good. You know, it was good. It was action packed. But you know me and you know my brain. And I just, I look at things differently. Okay. Was. Okay, so like Star Wars, like there's not a piece of paper anywhere in Star Wars, right? It's all digital, okay. right? It's all di- it's it's networked computers. It's all digital. Um, so they go to 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 when they when they said we're going to rob the payroll for the uh, whatever garrison or anything. I'm like, oh, cool. We're gonna we're gonna infiltrate a, 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 an imperial facility, and we're gonna actually finally get to see a proper slicer, actually, you know, hacking into you know imperial um, uh, databases to transfer 
funds and credits, you know, into blah, blah, blah. No, no. We've got an entire vault of just ingots on racks. Really? Really? Just yes. Ingots on racks. So if, so if I go to a U.S. military facility and I'm going to rob the payroll for the first infantry division, wherever the hell they're housed, they've just got crates of pallets of cash. That's all it is. It's just pallets of cash. Just in a second. Scott. No, this should have been a digital crime. Scott. It should have been digital. For, first of all, that, that would have been boring to watch because hacking is boring to watch on screen. Go watch hackers. No. Uh, you, second, you're, you're, you're thinking too sci-fi. Remember, this is Star Wars. It yeah. says it's sci-fi, but really, yeah. it's a no, no. Western. I, Scott, I get, it's I a train that. heist. I, We're robbing I, the gold from the I bank. Get. I get that. So the entire the entire visual aesthetic of this is, hey, look, it's we're robbing Fort Knox, but we're doing it Star Wars style. But still, to me, it took me out of it because I'm like, well, this is just impractical as shit. How the hell are you going to distribute all that? Like, practically, how are you going to distribute all that to 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 an entire sector? We're going to melt it all down once we escape the Pinkerton men and reef. Oh, sorry. Yeah, th- I was this, in a Western th- again. Th- it was it was annoying. You could have still had the same uh, shootout. You could have still had the same exit with the, uh, you know, the, 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 whatever the hell that was, the, the transport and everything. You could have still had your same exit vector, but just give me, give me a proper Star Wars slicer on screen doing what they do. Make this a digital crime. That's what this should have been. It did not need the visual of just tons, literally tons of ingots but once again how do you distribute that across an entire sector how do you do it well this has been nitpicking with scott this scott this might have been the heist that then forced the empire to stop hoarding all of its money in one safe house for an entire sector and this was no i i'm just like to me it worked i liked it because it, it ups the stakes. Um, what stakes? What stakes got up? What yeah, stakes how, Scott, how, how are you going to kill off the uh, uh, manifesto kid uh, if you don't have a, a dolly full of uh, ingots to slam into him? I don't know. Right. Can you get shot? You got blaster fire going all over the place. No, he yeah. has to be physically crushed by the weight yeah. of the money he just exactly. stole. See, it's have symbolism. Him, yeah, have him just, just, just catch a blaster to the stomach. Hey, look, to answer answer your question, Scott, the stakes are that they have a limited amount of time to load this transport with the money, with the credits. Those are the stakes. So it raises the stakes in the fact that it is a physical thing that they have to actually do instead of just standing there waiting for somebody to hack it. So you're telling me that no story or movie or TV show in the history of the mediums has ever been able to put a time limit on somebody trying to hack into something ever. But again, like I'm going to go with John on this one. That's boring to watch. How is it boring to watch? How is oh, it any, look, they're typing on the computer. Wait, wait, wait. How is it any more boring than watching? How is it any more boring than watching an entire scene of Cassie and Andor just getting inoculated? Because literally, there's a scene where he's with the people and he's talking to the lady and she's working on his arm and he pulls she pulls out this thing and he's like, "Wait, what's that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's just an inoculation." There's no other story point to that other than Cassian Andor gets inoculated. 
but that wasn't an entire that was an entire scene. scene. That was an entire scene. It was scene. like a moment. It was no, it was a scene. It was a full scene. There was nothing it, before. It, it, there was it, nothing. It after. was a scene, but the heist is a sequence, so it's different. But anyway, we're gonna move on. We're moving on. We have more to cover. Scott, no, I, I appreciate you uh, going full nerd on us, and and as as usual, writing probably more accurate Star Wars than the writers did. Um, but again, train heist. That, yeah. That's all I saw when we got to this. Okay, we're doing train heist. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and at the outside, I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong; I still enjoyed it. It just I, I I saw the I saw the visual of all the ingots, and I'm like, really, seriously, seriously? Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, heist comes to an end, and there's one more moment I think we need to talk about before we leave this arc behind, and that's when we learn the true motivations of Skeen. Oh yeah, yeah. who was essentially the mirror mirror character to Andor. Uh, up until this point, they kind of butt heads a bit, but you get the sense of they're butting heads because they're kind of cut from the same cloth, <clears throat> and maybe they could be buddies after this. And then we learned that, no, all the stuff Skeen was talking about was bullshit. He's just in there for the money. Uh, yeah, I'm a rebel, but it's me against uh, me against the world. Um, and when he starts <coughs> trying to tempt Cassie into, hey, let's just take the money and run. It's the first time you see a bit of that spark uh, of Cassie having a sense of a higher purpose. Of, of I was hired to do a job. I'm taking my cut. I'm leaving you the rest. And, and yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, he because yeah, if he was just in there for the money, him and Skeen could have done it, and then he could have yeah. double crossed Skeen and you know, but he's not that kind of person. No, uh, it, it, as much as he may like to think he's just kind of out there for himself or he only cares about his family, it's the first inkling of yeah. he does care about a larger cause outside of oh. himself. Well, he, he he has a larger, he has a, he, he has a he has a code of ethics, yes, he has, he has <clears throat> and this is probably one of my favorite scenes. In 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 the series thus far is yeah when he when he deals with scheme. Even even though it's an overplayed trope of double crossing the double crosser, I guess you could say, because he, he shoots him. He well, I mean he, he just pulls faster. Saying, what I'm saying is he shoots him. I know yeah. it's not a double cross, but like he's stopping the double cross before it happens. Yeah, so exactly. he's yeah. he's stepping in, and well, it, like it's still kind of an overplayed trope, but I like that they did it. Well, the overplayed trope would have been if he if they had a huge like knockdown drag out fight, you know. Uh, no, the and, trope would have been a Mexican standoff, and then Vela comes in and shoots him, and we so, hear a blaster off screen, yeah. and then cut to her. That's the that, trope. Yeah, that would have been another trope. Yeah, I, I agree. Either the knockdown drag out brawl or that, but yeah, he just pulls his blaster and just shoots him, and I love that. It's uh, very Cassian Andor. It's goes very, full Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing that I was thinking about that pissed me off about this whole thing. Oh crap! You know, you got no, 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 no. It's 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 not that it, it pisses me off, but not a it's not a piss off at, at Andor. It, it's it's the whole thing. It's like so literally, we've got a character that has at this point, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, he has killed three characters on screen in cold blood. The the his his friend in Rogue One, the I'm sorry, four characters. The I'm sorry, no three characters because the 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 four. one at the beginning was an accident. But still four characters. He's but, killed no, four. That, that that's not in cold blood though. That that was an okay. accident. So then he kills the second corporal in cold blood. Now he kills Skeen in cold blood. Yet for some odd reason we have to go back and edit things so that so that 
that that uh, uh, Greedo shoots first, so that Han doesn't seem. Oh so no, Han Han shot. Look, look, shot. look, look, look. That's a George Lucas thing, and he's not in charge anymore. So I, I, I know, but still, I'm like, really, really. No, Han, yes. Han totally shot first. And as uh, soon as George Lucas is dead, Disney will cut that back to Han is the only one who shoots. Yeah, as it not should. shot first is the only one only who one shot. Shoots, yes. Well, mm. no, technically he still shot first. I mean, well, he shot for Greedo shot, but they they yeah, kind of Greedo did doesn't that get in. a shot off. There's one oh, no. shot in that entire yeah, can. Shot. Yes, but you could say it either way. Okay. Fact is still a statement. Fact. It, they kind of they kind of fixed that in Solo, but that's we're not going story. there. Yeah. We're not going there. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so the heist arc in all pretty good. Uh, definitely gets things rolling. And, and again, the first two episodes are all just set up. Uh, every all the cool stuff is in in the third episode, which is the third act. So every three episodes are sort of acting. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, like their own kind of arcs. Yeah. Once again, we're we're also on episodes. This is episode six of a twelve uh, episode season, which mm-hmm. probably all this could have been done in four or five episodes, maybe. Yeah. Four. yeah, we could we could condense some stuff. Yeah. Um, we get kind of a break in episode seven. Uh, Andor comes back to town and and tries to. Hey, I'm rich now. Let's get out of here. <laughs> excuse me we kind of check in on on the people we haven't seen for a while um or as I and like then it, it storyline a already in progress yes yes we never return to storyline and a which has been in progress the whole time <laughs> yeah. um but the big sort of hook happens at the very end of this episode which is cassian has gone to some nice beach resort planet um and and he's got his stash and he takes some money out of his stash to go um, buy stuff, I guess. And while he's literally just walking to the store, gets stopped by a, a short trooper and pinned against the wall by a, a K2 unit and arrested, uh, which is the, the inciting incident for the next arc, yeah. uh, which in my opinion is probably the best of the entire series, uh, the Cassian in prison arc. Um, I could do a whole episode on this arc. I love well, this arc, but I'm going to cut to what I think is the star of this arc, which is Andy, Andy fucking circus. <laughs> god, yes. Kino Loy, Andy Circus. Uh oh my god. This man should never do mocap again. It should just be him acting because oh my god. Uh I don't know where to start. Uh it's it's again we get a lot of repeated stuff. But again, one of the overarching themes of this show is why the empire is bad, why the empire is evil, <clears throat> why we have to fight against them. And we meet these guys in a in a, in a prison who spend 12-hour shifts assembling some random part. We don't know what it is. We don't even know if they know what it is. It's just yeah. here. You put tab A in the slot B, screw it shut, repeat. Just do that for 12 hours. Uh, by uh, the way, you're, you're competing with every other table in this room, and whoever does the worst at the end of the day gets electrocuted. Uh, and if you do the best, you get flavor with your food. Yay. And that's their existence. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jay. Uh, what I, like... What I really like, though, is that they are just blindly building these parts mm-hmm. that and I, I don't want to spoil anything for Scott, that we do find out what these parts are. And we do eventually. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to have to have Scott put some earmuffs on in a minute. Yeah. I'm fine with spoilers. Spoilers are OK. Uh, but I really like that. And um, I like the I really enjoyed the scheming like you could see it, the 
the whole idea of what was going to like them scheming to try to get out and yeah, the shifts and like how they're like, how is your shift and Cassian is your shift counter really going down? Like, are you sure they're not well, just adding more numbers? Uh, it's uh, it, it's, it's exactly, it, it, it's him taking to heart the lesson Lucian gave him, build your exit on the way in from the minute Cassian's dropped off. He's sizing everyone up and figuring out, who stands where? How does this work? How does that work? With as as they're marching him into his room, he's watching everybody and looking at everything, and the wheels are already turning as to how am I going to get out of here? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, because as we've seen throughout, Cassian is also good at sort of manipulating people to get them to do what he wants. We see that really played up in this arc, uh, where he, you know, there are some people who are like minded and I want to get out of here, and there are some people who are like this is you know Kino Loy's whole thing is. I just want to keep my head down, do my time, and get out of here. And I am, I'm short. I'm a short timer. He has like 240 some days left on a sentence when we first meet him. He just wants to do his time and go home. Until you okay. find out what happened on floor two. Well, yeah, it, not just that, but it's so even before we get to that, uh, people are asking him, uh, sorry, the inmates are asking Andor, what is everyone saying on the outside about the whatever it is, the POD law or whatever? And he's like, what are you guys talking about? Um, we, the audience, have seen behind the scenes the the ISB um, uh, this this whole scheme of just reevaluating quote unquote every prisoner's sentence, which we come to find out when we get to the prison means they just arbitrarily doubled everyone's sentence overnight. Um, that's sort of like pin number one that Andor can kind of use. <coughs> and then, like Jay said, the, the big sort of thing is is what happened on on the second floor. Well, when we find good, yeah, good. Sorry, I, we're 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 getting into the meat of this second story, and there's some stuff that that I kind of want to cover from just episode seven, real quick. Okay, okay. Are they nitpicks that, that I really love? These aren't nitpicks; oh. these are things that I love. Like episode seven, I think is probably maybe my favorite episode. Okay. In the series thus far. Okay. Because it's dealing with the fallout from the heist and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we get the character. So first of all, you all like you two, and then like two or three other people keep keep telling me they're like, "Oh, what what have you seen up to? What have you seen up to?" Because for some odd reason, nobody wanted to spoil for me that Andy Circus was coming into this. Oh no, that's not what I would. I didn't. I didn't. I know. I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> but you're but you're both like, "Oh, Andy Circus." Now he's a great actor. I love Andy Circus, but I don't know why Andy Circus being into this would be a spoiler for anything. I didn't think I, it I don't was. Know. Because, I don't know. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. Once again, it's it's other people. It's not you two. They're like, oh, I don't want to tell you. Oh, so you've seen Andy Circus? Okay. Yeah, I've seen Andy Circus. He's an actor. He's a good actor, but he's not playing a known character. What the hell is that going to spoil for me if you tell me he's in the series? Uh, is he playing a known character? Is this where Snoke comes from? No. No, it's not. No. No, it's not. No, it's fucking yeah. not. Sorry. It's just playing Sorry. Um, anyway. But, I just wanted to squash that while we were here. Go ahead. Yeah. But. What, what, what kills me is, and, and this is what I love about season seven, is everybody glosses over uh, Wolf Yularen, Colonel Yularen. Like, oh, Colonel no. Yularen is in this. No, I noticed. I, I knew that. I was like, but, oh, shit, that's Colonel Yularen. Like, yeah, it, and you know who Colonel Yularen is, right? Yes. He's the, uh, uh, was he not the captain or of the... The ship that Anakin was on yes. when the fire. Yes, was so it's Cap- Captain Ularen. Yes, so yes. this this is Anakin's captain, and also 
he's in, he's in uh, he's New on, Hope. He's, he's on the Death Star. Yes. Yes. I'm like, oh wow, Yularen is here. That's yeah. just cool as shit. Like right. that. So so seeing him, I liked. But I okay. love the fact that in this episode, in in, in episode seven, I love the fact that kind of over from this point forward, we're getting that whole ISB kind of antagonist, like the like the ISB is in there. I love seeing Yeah, we haven't talked about I, that much at all yet. Yeah. 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 I love seeing the ISB. Mm-hmm. We also I, I, I love everything about it. Uh, like, I was gonna say, sorry, go ahead, Scott. But, like this is my favorite part. Like the Mon Mothma ISB stuff, by far to me, is more entertaining than any of the stuff with Cassie and Andor in this next in this next story arc. Well, I was, like, and I was sorry. Go ahead, Scott. No, go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was just gonna say that that's another thing we haven't talked about really is Mon Mothma, because um, I really enjoy her characterization in this series and like the buildup of her and you seeing like everything that she's doing still in the Senate, in the Imperial Senate, trying to be that voice of reason in the Senate. But behind the scenes, she's, she knows that whatever she does in the Senate isn't going to work. And, and that she is a quote unquote separatist. That is what's leading to the rebel Alliance. Yeah, well, and so the, you bring up two two good points. One is, you know, so she's doing all this stuff publicly in the Senate, but the 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 public um, rabble rousing, the light rabble rousing that she's doing is is a cover. Yeah, because she knows it's not going to lead to anything, but she has to keep up that appearance so they don't think that she's a full on rebel, you know. And she wants the she loves the idea of the Rebel Alliance, but at this point she the reality of it, you know, like still kind of uh, hits against her grain. Like she's yeah. not the full on military leader that we see in uh, Return of the Jedi. Right. She's we, not there yet. We have not yet had the the rousing speech in Rebels of her broadcasting. Yes. Um, her intentions to yes. everybody. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying uh in all honesty, throughout this entire story arc of the prison breaks, because he gets sent to prison, and we're going through the prison stuff, and the entire time, it's like three episodes. I'm watching it going, okay, when's the other shoe going to drop? When are we going to find out that Cassian let himself get captured because he has an ulterior motive? No, apparently he didn't. Apparently he just got sent to prison. Yeah, and wrong, not even for stealing time. an imperial payroll, just because he was literally in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, that, and if you really pay attention... Uh, if you really pay attention, that seed is planted several episodes earlier when they talk about um, in the ISB that they're, um, I forget her name, the blonde lady who works at ISB, <clears throat> her detention rates are up and good job and we might be sending you more work. And then yes. in the next episode, we hear about, um, I think it's after the heist, um, when news of that breaks, that they're going to, quote, reevaluate all uh, current prisoner sentences. So the yep. seeds for him being caught are sown earlier in the episodes. Yes. Uh, that literally, they've been, they're all stormtroopers have all been given the order just arrest people. Yeah. Just fucking arrest people. We don't care why, just arrest them. Uh, sentences are now automatically jumped to category, whatever. So he literally, because Cassian's in the wrong spot at the wrong time, he gets a six year sentence for just yeah. it, walking yeah. in front of a stormtrooper. It, yeah. I love because uh, I love that line that the I guess judge gives of this used <laughs> to be a six month sentence. <laughs> and, yep. 
it was like it was inciting rebel activity or something like that. <laughs> like, well, yeah. yeah, I wasn't doing anything. Take it up with the emperor. Yeah, take it up with exactly. She's she's just bureaucracy. She's doing her thing. Yeah. Like obvious, it, it is obvious that the entire point of Cassian's story and everything that happens to Cassian is is why he becomes a rebel and why he, you know, it, it's it's turning him, you know, from what he was into what he what he becomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as storyline is concerned and things that I love, seeing the Mon Mothma <laughs> storyline and the ISB storyline is more like I enjoyed the last three episodes. I enjoyed more of that than I did ever did of Cassian. Like, Cassian was just scene after scene of him just building whatever the fuck this is. Like, I don't give two shits about Cassian right now, because nothing's happening. Um, Scott, I'm going to have to go ahead and uh, disagree with you there. Uh, No, like, the actress playing Mon Moth is great, and I love seeing her finally get to do more than just give a random briefing to people. Um, (laughs) We get to see who Mon Moth is as a person, and her shitty marriage, and her, her bitch of a daughter, and all that kind of stuff. And Vel, her cousin, is actually active in the Rebellion, and that's kind of cool. Um, but for me, her, her arc is very, 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 very stretched out. Her arc amounts to, I'm funding the rebellion and the empire is going to catch on to my finances and how do I hide it? And we stretch that over like six episodes. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but I'm still, I'm personally just, I'm enjoying that part of the story more than Cassie's story. I never needed to know her husband is a dick who has a gambling problem. I never needed to know her daughter is into arranged marriages. Uh, I, I don't her, her her cousin being more active in the rebellion. Okay, that's interesting. That could maybe you know, push her towards where we know she'll end up. But most of her arc, I'm like, ah, oh, okay. That ate up screen time. Cool. Um, Sorry, Jay, I didn't mean to step on your feet. No, what was I going to say? Is this is this where we get Luthen's speech? No. Uh, it's okay. it's, it's it's a little, we can. So anyway, Kino Loy prison break happens. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we see <laughs> again while the Empire is terrible, it's it's using prisoners as slave labor, uh, and, and they learn that you know, uh, well, a guy who was supposedly released showed up the next day on a different floor, and all hell broke loose, and they killed everybody on the floor to shut him up about it. Yeah. Um, you get a couple of really cool speeches. You get a, a um, Kino and Andor arguing because Andor is plotting an escape, and Kino's like, "Forget it." Um, you get a great line from from Cassian uh, where they're arguing about this, and, and Kino says, "You know, they, they killed a hundred men on the second floor. Uh, that that's power to me." And Andor says, "Power doesn't panic." I thought that was a really cool line. Um, and it, it kind of sets that little seed in Kino. Uh, then when Kino, once Kino learns the truth of what's really going on is when we get that also that other cool moment uh, earlier in the episode. Andor has asked him, how many guards on each floor? Like he's trying to get information from Kino and Kino's like, forget it, you're not escaping. And then we get the, the uh, other end of that arc where he, Cassian asks him again and we get that very determined, never more than 12. Well, uh, that's when he knows he's on board. Yep. Uh-uh. Um, go ahead, Jay. I also liked the uh, uh, the medic um, talking about how the, everybody was just going to die there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Cause, well, because the medic says, "I I can never save anybody because he's mm-hmm. only the only the only quote unquote medical supplies he has are euthanasia tools." Yeah, that's all and he it, has with him. And it's like, it, and when he says that the the old guy I can't remember his name, he he had the easy way out because he. Mm-hmm. He died. He had a stroke. He didn't have to work himself to death, or he wasn't killed for knowing too much. 
Yeah, or uh, electrocuted, or yeah, just, yeah. Uh, and, and then the we last, get. Go ahead, sorry. Was the last thing that I saw before I had to because I've not finished the series, and the last thing I saw was when everybody gets out, and they're they're jumping off into the in into the water. Uh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to back up. I want to back up. Sorry. But before we get to that, we get the first of two epic speeches in this show, which is from uh, Kino Loy, Andy Circus. When we've we've done the impossible, we got out of our room and we grabbed some weapons and we're staging a heist and we got to like the control center for the prison. Um, and and first of all, we get the most Scott Cox thing in the entire episode, uh, where <laughs> Andor points a gun at someone and says, "Shut it off." And the guy goes, that could have been so many things. And he just gets shot for it. <laughs> that <laughs> well, to me other, is like, shoots, well, there's Scott the Cox right there. Yeah, he shoots the other guy. The turn it off. Uh, okay, I can yeah. turn that off. Yeah, the other yes. guy's like, yeah, I can do that for you. I know what you mean. Um, anyway, and then Cassian, again, because one of the Cassian's great uh, abilities is to manipulate people. And at, at this point, he's he's convinced Kino that escape is the only way out. And then he then convinces Kino you're the only one who can inspire everybody else to do the same thing. They don't know me. They have no idea who I am, but they've seen you. You know, we pass other ships going to and from ours. Like they'll, they'll know you. This is you. You have to do this. And he puts Kino up to giving a, this great speech, which, which comes to, you know, we have a lot of cool phrases in star Wars. May the forest be with you. This is the way this one gives us one way out which is the chant of all the prisoners as they escape. And then I loved his whole speech there. Uh, uh, and that, you know, this is our best chance for freedom and it's all on you now. Um, it was cool. Uh, and then Scott. Yes. When they're all jumping off into yeah. the water. The moment you want to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, just, just, just that moment where, cause like you said, like it was all on him. He inspired everybody to get up there. He stepped up to the plate. He became a leader. And then you get outside and he's like, I can't swim. Yes. Yeah. And, and that poor case. guy. Yeah. And this was the last thing that I saw before I had to stop off before we were going to record. So Cassian is like, what's wrong? And he's like, I, I, I can't swim. And Cassian's getting ready to come back for him, but he gets swept overboard. Yep. Yep. And then you pull back to that long shot where everybody's swimming away. That's the last thing that I've seen. And that's, I've got about 20 minutes left in that episode. Okay. I thought that was the end of that episode. Uh, it is not. Oh. No, Jay, you're right because the the next twenty minutes is the greatest speech in this entire show. Right? Was that um, what it, I thought? That's when it was, but yeah. I wasn't sure because this episode is maybe the greatest episode of the entire series. Um. So, Scott, I apologize because we're gonna butcher a great speech for you. Nice. Um. <clears throat> We get cut back to Luthien meeting one of his contacts in the ISB. <coughs> he's talking about he doesn't know if he wants to do this role anymore and he wants out, but he's going to give Luthien a bunch of useful information and 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 that's sort of his parting gift. Uh, and, and it kind of hits ahead where you know Luthien's you you can't leave now, you can't leave now. Uh, and, and the guy's like, well, you know, everything I've given up, and what have you sacrificed? Which is just like the softball toss to like the greatest speech maybe in yes. Star Wars history of Luthien explaining to him what he's sacrificed. Um, hold on. Sorry. I wrote it down. Hold on. Did he, did he lose his cat? I'll be sad if he lost his cat. <clears throat> sorry, I can't re-react the performance, so uh, I'm going to butcher it because I'm not selling Skarsgård. I'm sorry, but 
What did you sacrifice? <clears throat> Calm, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless place. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago for which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight has set me on a path from which there's no escape. I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any feet or ground beneath my feet. What is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. And the ego that started this will never have a mirror or an audience or a light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. Not Stellan Skarsgård, but God, that speech is amazing. Facts. Yes. And it's the deepest look into this character that we have gotten yet. What motivates him? And it's all beautifully vague. He never really tips his hand. And that's what I love about Cassie, or sorry, Luthien, is, is throughout the whole show, do we really know anything about him? There's that great scene earlier on where uh, he's leaving, having dropped off Cassian on the planet to go pull the heist, and he's going back to his his shop in um, um, Coruscant. Coruscant. And we see there's a hidden compartment in his ship where he's changing his wardrobe, putting on a wig, putting on jewelry, and we see him literally getting into character. Putting yeah. on a whole new, he carries his body different. He smiles for the first time we've ever seen him in the show. He puts on a whole different persona because he's getting back into, okay, this is who I'm supposed to be on this planet. I love that scene because without saying a word, it tells us so much about this guy, which is we don't know shit about this guy. Yet I love him. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That speech was very rousing. I was like, man. It's so true. Like, he's sacrificing everything. <coughs> Which makes me wonder what's going to happen to him. And, like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, like what Scott said, uh, with this person potentially being a different character, if they do tie that in to being the guy from The Force Awakens, that'd be pretty cool. Hi. They won't, but... <laughs> Jay, the love bug is outside. <clears throat> yeah, apparently Herbie and I need to go for a uh, race. So then, um, <coughs> Scott hasn't seen it, so I'll try to sort of tiptoe around some of the bigger spoilers. But post heist, <coughs> or post Andor jailbreak. Gets, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Post jailbreak. Andor goes back home. He's gotten some bad news. Um, he knows it's probably a trap, but he goes anyway. Yes. Um, we see. All of the story threats uh, that we've had throughout the whole show, Andor and the ISB lady and Cyril or whatever the guy, the the disgraced uh, company guard who's now sort yep. of working for uh, whatever, uh, and and him and his his captain come back because they're they've they've they've, they've somehow gotten a beat on Andor, um, the people on Ferrix and all they've gone through and sacrificed because post. Uh, Andor and Luthien's escape. Um, the the Empire has come in hard on Ferrix 
and they're leaning on the people to try to find him uh, and to, to show power. <coughs> and it all comes to a head with this um, sort of uh, 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 like Louisiana, New Orleans style funeral thing where yeah. you know, it's a funeral march, but like, there's a band and people are dressed up and like everyone in town is walking through town until we hit the hotel that the ISB is taken over as their headquarters and it's it's just a line of of uh not stormtroopers but imperial troopers with riot shields and we know something's about to hit and then um b or rather andor's mom through b gets another great speech um jay do you want to talk about that uh yeah uh, without giving i don't want to give away too much to scott um, yeah okay you can spoil whatever i'm good uh it that was yet another rousing speech of like, to me, what would have made it better is if, like, Rage Against the Machine would... I know it's not very Star Wars, but, like, if, like if Rage Against the Machine just started playing at the end of that... No, that, that would be Abrams' Star Trek, sir. Right. But, I mean, that's just kind of how I felt, because, like, yeah. she fired up Ferrix. Like, mm-hmm. she fired everybody up. Um, well, and, and you've got go all these... You've got all these other characters that, like you know it's gonna boil over and like they're important and it's not necessarily that they're important to the story they're important to andor and i think that's the big difference is like these guys are like these people are important to andor and he's going to fight for them i guess it's sort of like uh, i i don't know it kind of like ties off the ends of what he's really fighting for and and hearing that speech from his mom definitely shows him the way, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's at that point, everyone has a reason to hate the empire and, yeah. and to be mad at them. Um, and, and we see that because <clears throat> again, <clears throat> and or has never liked the empire. Yeah. But not liking them or hating them even sort of like Luke says in, in new hope. Uh, it's not that I like the Empire, but it's one thing to not like the Empire. It's another to openly go to war against the Empire. Yes. And that's what, like Scott has said, that that's what, sort of what this story is about. It's about how do you go from just being out for yourself in the universe uh, uh, to dedicating yourself to a greater cause. And it's something that Luthien's already sort of planted a seed um, when he gives them in, in third episode, uh, wouldn't you rather give it all to... to um, to bring these guys down and have them carve off pieces of you until there's nothing left. Um, well, but the inciting in, oh, go ahead, Zach. go ahead. Scott. Well, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, when Luthien says that, when Luthien says that to him, even, even the character of Cassian probably doesn't realize it. But when Luthien says that to him, you know, back at the beginning of, of the story and, 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 and the whole act one, like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather give yourself to a, a greater thing versus, you know, just having them carve pieces until there's nothing left? He has taken that to heart, even if he doesn't realize it, because what he says to Andy Circus later is, wouldn't you rather die fighting against them than die giving them what they want? Because mm-hmm. it's the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. He just rephrased it. Uh, so that seed yeah. is already planted. Yes, Jay. I, I don't want to shift gears, John, but okay. 
I did want to highlight. So, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, the so again, we know all hell is going to break loose. We know shit's going to hit yeah. the fan. The inciting incident for the shit hitting the fan, and a lesson to anyone about Star Wars: never fuck with the droid. Yeah, don't <laughs> do it. Because as soon as that imp walks out and touches B, oh, it's on. Ready? It's on. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's on, and all hell broke loose. It's a giant riot. It's an all-out, you know, the Empire panicking because they weren't set up yet, and and the people in the street going from, okay, this is it. This is my, you know, just we're here for the funeral. To this is what we're doing now. Okay, we're doing this. Here we go. Um, and and within that chaos, it it gives uh, Andor the the perfect cover he needs to to get in and, and rescue some people. Um, <coughs> And, and get all the important people off planet, uh, and to end up turning the tables on on uh, Luthien a little bit, because uh, Luthien and Vel and what's her name are are there to kill Andor because he knows enough to be hurtful to them. If the, the Empire captures him, he knows enough to link them back to them. Yeah, so they're there to kill him, um, and he turns the tables a bit, uh, and 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 sort of gets the drop on on Luthien. Um, and we end on a great line. Um, <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to be vague on purpose. I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I just want to say, like, okay, so I was going to shift gears for a second. Yeah. Uh, when he gets his people off planet mm-hmm. in that, that, like, run down heap of junk of a ship. Yep. I thought one of the coolest things was that it... I don't know if it was supposed to be cobbled together or if it's a style of ship, but it just, I loved that it had Y-Wing engines on it. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but like. Okay. I, I thought that was cool because um, I, honestly, the, the coolest thing in this entire series to me, and like, I loved the whole series, but was when. Luthen's about to be uh, boarded by the uh, uh, the Imperial something. Show. Yeah, uh, the 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 only sort of space dogfight we get in the show. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. <laughs> I want that ship. I don't. I, don't I was gonna say, how bad do you want Luthien's ship, Jay? I oh my god, the just everything that it had, and the fact like I read something about how it's it's basically there's a droid in the ship. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the droid is. I can't remember, but the autopilot, everything, it's crazy. I love it. I love that ship. Well, I mean, you get that whenever whenever uh, Luthien drops Andor off on the planet for the heist, and Luthien is off the ship, and Andor starts eyeing the control panels. The, the ship asks him, can I help you? Yeah, yeah. a little eye on the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it it's it's even better in coming up episodes, Scott. So, um, I mean, I love the fact that you know uh, Solo actually reestablished that the Falcon uh, is controlled by a droid brain. It doesn't talk like Luthien's ship, but it has a yeah. droid brain in it as well. Yeah, uh, Luthien's ship, like the man himself, full of secrets. Yes. Um, <laughs> um what a great and, scene yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, when push to the, the man has planned for everything. Um, so <clears throat> that's sort of uh, w- w- again without getting too spoiler for the end of the show. <coughs> In general, what do everybody think? Are, are we are we happy with this? Are we excited for this? Um, well, I'll I'll be the first to admit that when it first when information of it first dropped that they were making an Andor show, I was the one of the first people to be like, why? I don't understand why. And then I started watching it, and I was like, you know what? This, I really enjoy. I really, really did enjoy Andor because of the fact that we're kind of pulling back the curtain on the rebellion a little bit, seeing more of what makes it tick in not such a children's story rebels sort of way and don't get me wrong rebels is great television it's yes it's a kid's show but like they definitely had adults in mind too when they made that show and i love that but i like the dark side of like the rebellion and getting to see that and i it changed my mind about this show and i i really really liked it Scott, what what do you enjoy of what you've seen so far? Well, like I said, so first of all, I like parts of Andor. Um, uh, I I like the Mon Mothma ISB kind of aspects of it more than I like the Cassian the Cassian stuff. Um, because to me that that's the intrigue. Like Cassian's not been pulled into the spy thing yet. We're just all we're getting with Cassian is his change of motivation. And why the Empire is bad and stuff. And so so when it comes to story, I'm enjoying the ISB, Mon Mothma, Luthien stuff more than I am the Cassian stuff. Um, overall, <laughs> overall, it's good. I'm fine with it. Uh, I just, I think it could have been condensed a little bit. I agree. Like, like I feel there's parts that are just, wow. Because, like, at the beginning, I'm looking for my sister. Yeah, fuck the sister. We don't need the sister anymore. Here's stuff from my childhood, which is only to serve to show us that his mother isn't his mother, but somebody who rescued him. Like after that, like we never come back to it yet that I've seen. I've got two two and a half episodes left. Um, Spoilers, we don't. Yeah, see, once again, there's a lot of stuff. I, I rewatched. I watched it all through the first time when it aired, and then I watched everything again the other day. And I'll be honest, that first arc is yeah. full of plot holes, or not plot holes, but plot points. That go nowhere in the rest of the series. Yeah, it, it, to my to my to my in my opinion, it's not necessary. You could have condensed <coughs> and been fine. I agree. Um, uh, I do want to say though the one okay. thing, and 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 yeah, I'm just gonna say that the one thing that I really also enjoyed about this is that there was not a single force user or lightsaber or Jedi. Anywhere in the series. Oh, is there? Interesting, Jay. So far that I Uh know. Yeah? Because Luthien's a Jedi, by the way. I don't know if I told you. Luthien is uh, 1,000% a Jedi in hiding. Um, Should I present you with some evidence? Okay. Jay, you're getting really quiet on me, buddy. That's fine. I don't. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mm-hmm. present me with evidence. Mm-hmm. I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. Until he actually uses the force or has a lightsaber, I'm not worried about it. Oh, he has a lightsaber. Scott already pointed out it's his cane. He's hiding in plain sight, just like Luthien's hiding in plain sight. <clears throat> he hands he hands a kyber crystal to Andor in an episode. His shop is full of Jedi artifacts that are supposed to be illegal at this point in time, including Jedi and Sith holocrons in the back room. Mm-hmm. He makes comments about how long he's been fighting this fight. He's been fighting the Empire since before it was the Empire, because he's a Jedi. Okay. And he's not dumb enough to be openly using the Force, because that would give him away. He's That's... condemned to use the tools of his enemies to defeat them. He tells us this. That's fine. But until he pulls out a lightsaber and is actually a Jedi, okay. I'm not worried about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, then, season two, we know what's happening. It's already filming right now. Um, the original plan has changed a bit. Originally, they were going to do five seasons, and each season would be a year leading up to Rogue One. I'm very glad they scrapped that idea. So, season two uh, will be it. And apparently, they're doing a series of three episode arcs, four three episode arcs, each jumping ahead one year between each other. The last three episode arc will lead directly into Rogue One. We know that that that's what we know already. That being said, what story arcs would we like to see from season two? How he gets K two S O. Well, obviously, yeah. I just want K two S O at this point. I'm assuming that'll be the last arc. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I I would like to see some tie-ins with Rebels. Like live tie-ins. Not that I don't need all well, rebels. Let me get I just want to point that out. I don't need all the characters from Rebels, but it would be interesting leading up to because Ahsoka is getting her own show, right? Yeah. So it would be interesting to see like a live action Hera. Yes. Uh we don't, especially and I don't because... need anybody else, just like Hera and Chopper. With the Hera, yeah, well, we know from watching Rebels because, again, they're they're the closer we get to Rogue One, the more Rebels and Andor are going to dovetail together because we're telling the story of the Rebel Alliance coming together. Like yeah. Jay said, we see Mon Mothma's turn in Rebels, <coughs> so it would only make sense at some point if we're, if we're going to carry through the Mon Mothma storyline in one of these arcs, we'd bump into some of the Rebels characters. <clears throat> yeah. Personally, if we bump into any anything Rebels over overlaid, I think we would see Ahsoka as Fulcrum. I could see a scene where we have Ahsoka as Fulcrum with Luthien and Mon Mothma and like all the sort of leadership of the Rebel Alliance, maybe a, a Bail Organa cameo. Um, and I, I, Hera, and I, I could see something like that coming together. Because again, if we're going to follow that arc of turning this network of cells into the rebel alliance that's a logical place to go <clears throat> oh, they'd be tight yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. all uh i want to see yeah. some spy shit i want to see andor you know sneaking into imperial places and you know knocking people out and putting on uniforms and and you know get fucking james bond with this shit man <coughs> Uh, that's what yeah. I want to see. I I want to see more of Luthen's ship. 
<laughs> yes, I need Ahsoka and Luthien to meet up with each other uh, so they can talk about how uh, they both missed the Jedi Order because they're Jedi together. Yep. I think, John, I think you're so Jedi-centric, you're searching for Jedi. I did not come up with this theory, Jay. I just happened to subscribe to it. You're just searching for him now. You're searching for every show. That's what you're searching for. You just look, you crave look, it. It's part like an of addiction, me, John. You, it's your heroin, John. Do we need an intervention? I think no, I'm we fine. need an intervention with you. Okay. And I'm Jedi. holding a lightsaber. I'm fine. Part of me wanted to bring this up because I knew it would stick in your craw, Jay. Um, and, and the other part of me, so, so okay. We're all all good with with where we want to see season two go. I don't want to because when when I bring this point up, I'm, I think we're gonna I'm gonna bring the show to a halt when I do this. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, okay. So Jay, you really enjoyed Andor. You, you like you like the the story and the character and and and, and seeing the the grittier side and and the the Rebel Alliance kind of being built and all that. You're you're a fan of the show, John. If you say anything about why should I care because he's dead. I'm not coming back on this show. <laughs> so that's our show this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you had a good time. Let us know what did you think of Andor season one? What were your uh, favorite parts? What are your nitpicks? Uh, what weapons weren't disguised enough for you? And what random characters in the background weren't given due credit? Or I forget what else Scott complained about. Um, <clears throat> uh, what did you think of the show? Let us know. Um, thanks for listening. This has been your weekly nerd alert. One way out, Jay. One way out.